This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I think a lot of people just try to take the stand of faith without doing the preparation. Now, how do you prepare? Turn back with me to Joshua chapter 1. If we know that standing strong, if we know that being strong and being effective in prayer and being effective in walking in victory and, and withstanding the evil, the, the enemy's attack and so forth, if we know that's based on the Word, then how do you use the Word? If you get Christians, the modern-day Christian, if you get Christians to agree with you that far, which is tough, but if you'll get them just to agree that far, that's when they are going to answer, well, then if we're supposed to use the Word, then that just means read the Bible. Suppose reading the Bible won't make you a successful Christian. It won't make you strong. Reading the Bible in and of itself won't do the job. But God gave Joshua the key to success. Joshua is now the leader of the children of Israel. And notice what Joshua is, is commanded or instructed by the Lord in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 8. He says, this book of the law. Now, please understand, the book of the law, the law, the five books of Moses were the only thing that they had as the word of God at that point in time. Moses has just gone off the scene. He's just gone up into the mountain. God has buried him. And now God turns around and says to Joshua, you're the guy. Well, his first instruction to Joshua should be important then, wouldn't you think? I mean, if I'm Joshua, I'm all ears. If I'm taking his place... Moses is the one that went up onto the mountain that nobody thought anybody could live through. He's the one that got the stone tablets. He's talked face to face with God. He's the one for whom the glory of the Lord has appeared and, and protected him and defended him and, and, and done all kinds of miracles. He's the one that parted the Red Sea. Now I'm supposed to take his place? How in the world am I supposed to do that? So God gives him the instructions. He tells him how. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. I want you to notice, first and foremost, meditating has something to do with saying the word. Your mouth has something to do with meditation, in other words. It has something to do with it. Now, how do you keep something from departing out of your mouth? You know as well as I do that as soon as you say something, it's gone. How do you keep something from departing from your mouth? There's only one way that you can do it, and that is to say it over and over and over again. So... Where he says, "Thou shalt uh, this book of the law, this word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth. He's saying to Joshua, say it again and 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 again. And when you get tired of saying it, say it again and again and then again. In other words, don't ever let the word of God stop coming out of your mouth. But, and this is God's definition, meditate in it day and night. That means if you speak the word day and night, you're meditating in the word day and night. Now, he is not saying when you get in battle, say what the Bible says. He's telling Joshua, here's how you make preparations to be the leader of the children of Israel. Don't let the word stop coming out of your mouth. You know the greatest times where you're tempted to stop speaking the word? When the devil's in the middle of an attack. Or we should say when you're in the middle of, a, of the devil's attack. That's the point where you're going to be the, the most tempted. You're going to have the greatest temptation, the greatest 
inclination or influence upon you to stop saying what the Bible says and instead to say what you see or feel about your situation. You remember what I said earlier about if you wait to decide, till the, if you wait till the devil attacks you to decide what you're going to do, you're defeated already? This is why. Because if you don't make the preparations with the word of God up front, when the devil attacks you, you're going to get distracted. And then you're going to start saying what you feel like or what things look like or what the doctor told you or whatever the case is. You're going to start saying something else other than the word of God. But remember, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, said there's two parts to standing. Number one, prepare to stand, having done all to stand. In other words, make your preparations up front. And then the second part is to stand. Now, the standing is the part when the devil is attacking. The preparation is before he sends his attack. So God's telling Joshua exactly the same thing. He's saying, Joshua, you're the leader of the children of Israel now. Here's how you're going to have to be strong. Here's the way for you to be strong. So this book of the law, Joshua 1, 8 again, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You meditate by saying the Bible, saying the scripture. You meditate by quoting the scripture. You meditate by saying what God's word says about you. Now, notice what God said the result of that would be for Joshua. Now, Joshua's not in the middle of a battle yet. They had, nobody has attacked. No enemy has attacked. They're still on the other side of the Jordan River. They haven't even gone into the, Can- the land of Canaan to take the promised land. But the Lord tells him, before you ever meet the enemy, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, to what end? That thou mayest observe to do all that's written therein. Why? Because the same thing God told Joshua is the same thing Jesus told us about building your house on the rock by being a doer of the word. It's the same thing James said, be a doer of the word and not a hearer, only deceiving yourself. It's the same thing Paul said to us about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Do the word. Equip yourself with the word. Be a doer thereof. That's the only way to be strong. That's the only way to walk in victory. It's the only way to be healed. It's the only way to prosper in, uh, according to the plan of God. It's the only way to walk in any kind of, any level or any measure of victory in your life whatsoever. The Word is the key. Not somebody that's got some special power. You're the one that has special power through the Word. In your life. You may not have special power in my life, and I may not have special power in your life, but you're the one that has special power in your own life. But it comes through the Word. So he said that thou mayest observe to do. Here's the reason why we want to meditate in the word. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. Now what good is that going to do us? What is going to be the result of us being a doer of the word, meditating in the scripture and what the Bible says about us and then doing the word? He says, for then, after you do the word, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Now, folks, I want you to notice that God didn't even say he'd make your way prosperous. He said you do it. Did you notice that? He said, for then, by meditating in the word and being a doer thereof, he said, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. How many of you want to make your way prosperous? I do. In every area. I want to make my way prosperous in the area of healing. So I'm going to say what the Bible says about my healing and my health. And then I'm going to be a doer of the word of God. I'm going to be standing strong when the enemy attacks me. So that I can walk in the victory of healing instead of be subject to sickness and disease. Now, think about how the modern day church works. 
Strong Christians are Christians that put the word of God in practice in their lives. What percentage of the church body do you think that is? I trust it's a growing percentage, but it, but it has to be a small one. You know what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4? He gave us the parable of the sower sowing the word. He told us there are four kinds of ground. He said there's the wayside. That's where the word is sown and Satan comes immediately to steal the word away from their hearts. He said there's, uh, there's stony ground where the word is planted and starts to grow, starts to spring up, but it doesn't have any depth or any moisture in itself. In other words, people don't continue to speak the word of God and so it dries up and doesn't produce anything. The third type of ground is uh, uh, the thorny ground where the word is planted and, and the seed begins to grow, but the thorns come in and choke out the word and make it unfruitful in their lives. And then finally, so that's three of the four types of ground that don't produce anything. And then the fourth type of ground is good ground. Now, the good ground produces some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Now, if you do the math on that, if you put some numbers to that, Jesus said there's four types of ground, and only one of the four produces any fruit. So that's 25%. Of the 25%, only one-third produces maximum yield, a hundredfold results. That's 8%. That's one-third of 25%. That's 8%. I get tickled when I hear people talking about politics, about the 1% and the 99%. I want to be the 8%. I don't care about the 1%. I don't care about the 99%. I care about the 8%. I want to be the, the percentage of people that produce a hundredfold results in the Word of God in their lives. That's the 8%. Couldn't care less about the rest of it. But boy, if I can get in that 8%, if I can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and become that part, that 8%, I can walk in victory in everything the Bible says is mine. Because folks, the principle of faith is the same, whether it's finances or healing or, or anything. The principle of faith works the same. All you got to do is find the truth of the word and apply the principle of faith to that truth. That's why it's so important to know about faith. I can't tell you how many times people, other well, other ministers, other pastors, have said things to me like, well, Mike, you have healing school every uh, Sunday night. You preach on faith almost constantly in, in healing school. You're just making too much out of faith. <laughs> how can you make too much out of the one thing that brings you into victory? Okay, next Sunday night, come, and, and I promise I won't teach on faith. I'll teach on how to be defeated. That'll draw them in, won't it? That's stupid. We should want to know how to walk in victory, shouldn't we? What's more important than knowing how to walk in victory? What's more important than learning how to overcome the devil's attack? Nothing in my book. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. My mother called up and said, you have to turn on the TV, you have to watch this man. Suddenly we're watching it every Sunday. It started the whole, well, maybe we should go to church. We're going to get out of our pajamas on Sunday morning and we're going to go to church. And now you can't get us to not come to church. And pastors teaching, you know, it was outstanding on television, but you were kind of shocked by how much more there was when it wasn't just the half an hour, but you know, his full message. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if he put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. 
visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So what does the Bible tell us is the key? The key is always the Word. Folks, you've got to put the Word of God in your heart before you try to make your stand of faith. Now turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. What time is it? Oh, I'm out of time. Okay, we'll, we'll introduce this and go a little bit further. Mark chapter 11. I want you to notice, here's the operation of faith in Jesus' life. I think Jesus is a good example for us, don't you? Mark chapter 11. We'll start reading in verse uh, 12. It says, And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. That's a real confusing way to tell us what's really going on. If you know anything about it, don't take my word for it. You can look this up online. You can check it out for yourself. In the, in the East, particularly in the Middle East, the type of fig trees that they have are different than the figs that we have here. If you've ever been to Israel, you know they've got fruit and figs and different things like that that just are fabulous, just wonderful. Fig trees over there bloom at the same time the leaves come out. We're used to leaves coming out on a tree and then later the blooms come and then later fruit develops and stuff like that. That's not the way a fig tree works in Israel. The kind of figs that Jesus is looking for, the kind of fig tree that this is, when the leaves are out, it means there's fruit there. So where it says the time of figs was not yet, that's an incorrect translation. That's a a Western mentality. That's a King James mentality trying to figure out why Jesus messed with this poor fig tree. Jesus comes... It shows that it's supposed to have fruit by the leaves, but doesn't have fruit, so Jesus curses it. Folks, I want you to understand, God expects you to curse the unfruitful circumstances in your life. Quit putting up with unfruitful circumstances in your life. You know why we keep stumbling over sin after sin after sin after sin? It's not usually different sins that people stumble over. It's the same thing again and again and again. You know why? Because we never take a stand to curse the unfruitful circumstances in our life and move on which is the example that Jesus sets. Jesus says to the fig tree, he speaks to the tree, he does not pray, he does not say, God, why would you let this tree happen to me? He speaks to the tree and says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He takes authority based on the thing that has happened to him. He doesn't check with God and say, now Lord, uh, Father, are are you going to have a problem if I do away with this tree? I mean, there's not a tree shortage in Israel, is there? He doesn't look around check with the environmental groups to see if it's okay. He deals with the unfruitful circumstance that that he comes upon in his own life. So he curses the tree. And he says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So they go on their way. It says the uh, verse 20, and in the morning, next morning, they come by. And as they pass by, they, the disciples along with Jesus, saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So in one day, it goes from a a fruitful-looking, leaves blooming and blossoming and all this kind of stuff, it it goes from a a, a live-looking tree to a completely dead tree from the roots up. Now, I use this example over and over again because I want you to see the point. This is a supernatural occurrence. Because if he had taken a chainsaw to the tree the day before, it would still have green leaves on it. It would take a period of time, probably a couple of weeks, for the life in that tree, the sap that produces 
the living parts of that tree to drain out of the tree. But not when Jesus cursed it. The power of Jesus' words were sufficient to kill the tree from the roots and take away every source of life that that tree had. And the disciples caused attention to it. Now keep that in mind, because here's something Jesus is going to say that's going to be really, really important. The disciples, Peter calling it to remembrance, said unto him, Master, the tree, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, This happened because I'm the Son of God. And Jesus said to them, Yes, but you'll never be able to get that kind of results because I'm something special. Or maybe Jesus said to them, Guys, God did this miracle to prove to you who I really am. None of those things were anything close to what Jesus said. Jesus said, have faith in God. In other words, he's saying, here's what faith will do. He's not saying, here's what my faith and my faith alone will do. He's saying, here's the principle of faith that will produce results whenever it's used. How do we know? Because he goes in verse 23 and he says, for whosoever shall say, unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Notice Jesus is saying this thing called faith will work for whosoever. He's not saying this thing called faith works for him and him only because he's the son of God. He's saying this principle called faith works for whosoever shall say to their mountain, to their problem, to their unfruitful circumstances. Jesus cursed it. What are we supposed to say to our problems? Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Now there's a qualifying. There's a qualifier here. There's a condition. He said and shall not down in his heart. Now, let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus get overnight results with a, trip, with a fig tree? Because at this point in time, he's been meditating the word up to 30 years. He's about 30, maybe 31 years old. And up to this point in time, he's been meditating the word. Uh, who knows when he started? Who knows how old he, was, he started? But we would certainly say he's been meditating in the word for 25 years. We know by the age of 12, he's got it backwards and forwards because he's sitting down with the rabbis answering questions that they don't have answers for and asking them questions they can't answer. So he's skilled in the word by the time he's 12 years old. So what's he doing? He's dedicating his life to the principle of success, and that is meditating in the word by saying it over and over and over again to himself. Oh, Pastor Mike, I just need a miracle. Well, then do what Jesus said. But you don't understand. I need a miracle. Yeah, I do. So do what Jesus said. But Pastor Mike, you don't understand. I don't need to be obedient. I need a miracle. Well, this Mark chapter 11, verse 23 is what Jesus said do about unfruitful circumstances in your life. If sickness has attached itself to your body, let me suggest that that's an unfruitful circumstance in your life. And just as Jesus' words sucked the life source out of the fig tree, your words, when you do what he says to do, will suck the life out of the cancer that's attached itself to your body. It'll cause cancer to drive from the roots just like fig trees. Jesus says so. He said, have faith in God. Here's how it works, fellas. Have faith in God. Here's a perfect teaching moment. See the fig tree? See how it died overnight? Fig trees don't die overnight. At least they don't show that they died overnight. 
This one did. Let me tell you how to do it. Whosoever shall say. It belongs to whosoever. This thing called faith belongs to whosoever is willing to say. And not doubt in his heart. But instead, believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Then the result will be, he will have whatsoever he saith. Now, folks, can I ask you a question? Did Jesus stop at that fig tree and then check his memory and think, okay, wait a minute. I better go get a scroll and find out what Moses said about fig trees. Let's see, I never really planned on coming on a fruitful, unfruitful fig tree. Hmm. I guess I better go study for a while. No, he's prepared. He's prepared. Is he prepared for what the Bible says about fig trees? Folks, i got news for you. The Bible doesn't say anything about fig trees. So what's he prepared with? He's prepared with the knowledge of the authority that's released through this thing called faith. He's prepared with the knowledge that any human being, because we have been given authority here on the earth, any human being can take the word of God, believe it in his heart, and say it with his, say with his mouth, and get miraculous results no matter what the circumstance is. That's why Jesus said the principle of faith works for anybody on anything. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Here's the, here's the requirement, here's the condition. Shall not doubt in his heart means to stand therefore. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. It means, not doubting in your heart, literally means refusing to say anything other than what the Bible says. Oh, but Pastor Mike, the devil has just been after me all week, telling me it's not going to work. How do I know I'm not doubting in my heart? Folks, your heart is not expressed by the thoughts in your mind. Your heart is expressed by the words that come out of your mouth. And as Brother Hagin used to say, and I love this, faith, which is of the heart, will work even when there's doubt in your mind. Jesus didn't say the condition was, and shall not doubt in his mind. Man, if that was the case, nobody would ever get any results. He said, and shall not doubt in his heart. Well, how do we know the heart is connected with the mouth? Because Jesus said in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 12, about verse 43, I think it is, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can identify where your heart is by identifying what words are coming out of your mouth. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I'm in the middle of an attack. I mean, th this, this sickness, I've been believing God, but the sickness is getting worse and worse and worse. Then what are you saying? Are you saying it's getting worse and worse and worse? Talking to somebody today, and they said, Pastor Mike, we've been believing God for a, for a family member. You, you, we called you last Sunday, and you told us that we could agree together, and he would live and not die, and now he's out of ICU in just a matter of a couple of days, and it's great. But why is it taking so long? Folks, why is never the problem. So I had to explain. You've got to get rid of the why. The devil's the one asking why. You saying it means you're quoting his question. You've got to get rid of the why. Why doesn't matter. Jesus didn't say unless there's a question about why. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. In other words, and shall not change his words from what the Bible says. That's what doubting in your heart means. It means refusing to change your words to speak the circumstances instead of the Scripture. Jesus said under those conditions, 
You shall have whatsoever you say. You shall have whatsoever you say. You shall have whatsoever you say. The biggest part of preparing against the devil's attack is getting established in what the Bible says in your case. If it's sickness that's attacking you, then become established in the fact that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sickness. And no matter what the doctor ever says, no matter what the x-rays show, no matter how I feel, I will never say anything otherwise. Never. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, what if you die saying what the Bible says? Then I'll die in faith. But I can promise you I won't. Because Jesus said, if you refuse to doubt in your heart, but speak the word only, you'll have what you say. Then Jesus goes further and he says this principle of faith works in prayer too. Verse 24. He said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Folks, please realize the scope of that. What things soever you desire. What things soever you desire. Now, you may desire a well body. That's great. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. Whatever you desire. Whether it's healing for your body. Whether it's finances for your, your family. Whether it's whatever it is. He said, what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them, meaning the things you desire, and you shall have them. That means you have to come out of this prayer of faith by saying, it's mine now. Is it mine because I see it? No, it's mine because I believe it. It's mine because I believe it. And notice again, Jesus is saying in verse 23, the reason I introduced verse 24, we won't go any further, but the reason I introduced verse 24 is because verse 23 says it belongs to whosoever. Verse 24 says it belongs to whatever you desire. Realize the unlimited scope of the principle of faith. It belongs to whosoever will say, and it belongs to what things soever you desire. I don't know if you know this or not, But God's word makes you a superman here on this earth or a superwoman here on this earth. If you will simply choose to say nothing other than what the Bible says. The Christian life is the best life there is because God has planned so many wonderful things for his children. But the key is to become a child of God. And that only comes through Jesus by believing that God raised Him from the dead and by confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. A simple prayer of salvation would sound something like this. God, I I believe that You sent Jesus to the earth, that He died for my sins, and that You raised Him from the dead. I therefore confess Him as my Lord and Savior. Thank You for saving me. Thank You that You're now my Father. That's all there is to it. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, pray that prayer today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. She said, uh, I saw the advertisement for healing school, so we came that night. And she said, I'd been diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. And she said... uh, uh, I came up to you after the service, and, and I was just sure that you were going to lay hands on me and pray for me when I told you what the situation was, and, and you didn't do it. Well, that sounds like me. She said, you sent me back to the bookstore to get some materials on healing. Well, that sounds like me, too. And she said, I was really disappointed. 
I thought, oh my goodness, my chance to be healed is gone. She said, but I, I did what you said. I went back and I got the book that you told me to. And you had also referred me to the website and told me about some of the messages and different things that I could download and listen to and, and so forth. And she said, the Word of God has changed my life. She said, now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand what belongs to me. She said, I'm, I believe I received my healing. I'm standing in faith for my healing. And she said, and even though I don't go by what it looks like, my symptoms are starting to diminish. Well, why? Because you put the word first. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's word.